Welcome back to the Ask Different Podcast. This is episode number 15, recorded October 9th, 2011. I'm Kyle Cronin. I'm Jason Solis. I'm Nathan Greenstein. And it has been quite a week, I have to say. It's a little bit of an understatement. Yes. I I would have to say probably the biggest thing to happen to Apple happened this week, and we will get to that later. Unfortunately, it's very sad. But also, they had some some really good announcements uh, that we will, we will also talk about a little bit. We did um we did a special kind of show of our just our reaction to all the announcements, and that was just done. It was done in the evening, but it was done almost immediately following the show. And now that we've had a little time to sort of digest what exactly they did announce and and information that's subsequently come out. I think we have probably have a little more to say about about some of that. So. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to mention we now have a blog for Ask Different, and we are really looking for contributors. We are looking for people that, uh, ideally, you know, you would actually want to write something on a regular basis, but it doesn't have to be on a regular basis. Uh, you know, if you just want to contribute occasionally or when you can, uh, just get in touch. Uh, we are organizing with a Trello board. And if you don't know what Trello is, it's a product by Fog Creek with lists and stuff. But that's not important. Once 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 we get you in there, you'll see what, what we're talking about. And um, it's at apple.blogoverflow.com. It's a WordPress blog. And we'll also give you contributor access to that. So you just write up your thing. You submit it for consideration for publication. And... Uh, just just ping me when that's done, and we'll schedule we'll schedule a time for it to go up. So yeah, we're really looking for contributors. I mean, it can be about obviously Apple stuff. It can be about Ask Different stuff. So if you want to blog about the site itself, uh, if you have you know maybe like opinions, like an op-ed thing, like I I did one uh, with with predictions for the 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 event. Nathan's doing a, a great series about programming with Apple Script. So. Really, there's a wide, wide potential topic space for for that can be covered on the blog. So, you know, if that's something that that you're interested in, please let us know. Um, I I put a meta post up on on meta.apple.stackexchange.com, and we will link to that in the show notes. But it's basically just saying the same stuff that I'm saying right here. So, if you're interested, just post on that, and I will get I will get everything squared away. And we, we really are looking forward to getting some, some stuff on the blog. So, uh, Jason, you're going to contribute stuff, right? Maybe. Maybe. Potentially. As has kind, of, kind of come out from the show before, I used, uh, I was a Windows user for the vast majority of my life, primarily because, uh, you know, Dell computers and whatnot back in the early 2000s were kind of dirt cheap and you could get a reasonably robust enough computer for very little something just to kind of get you by on and then towards the later years of high school i started switching to linux full-time and i ran that way for some time and i've taken all of that experience and brought it with me to the os 10 world and i think that there there is an amazing amount of benefit when you can combine the things that are generally regarded as you know free software principles and usages and theories and putting them forward to making your os 10 life a lot easier. Well, I look forward to a post on that. Also, I will mention, I would actually really like to have people that are 
contributing that you know they've got like a really good post that's that's scheduled to come up and i would really like to get people like that on the podcast to talk about the stuff that they're uh that they're writing about uh i think that would be really educational and so if that's also something that you're interested in please contact us as well our, our contact address is podcast at askdifferent.net so if you send an email to that address we will get it and you know if you if you want to you can also send an email to that address saying that you want to contribute to the blog. So uh, it all sort of gets, <laughs> goes to the same place. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what members of our, our community are able to, to, to come up with. So the event on Tuesday, Tuesday, October 4th was, I think most people are describing it as a little bit of a disappointment. And then there are some other people that are saying, Look, this is everything except the new form factor. How can you possibly just be disappointed? And I'm talking, of course, about the iPhone 4S that they announced that was basically a souped-up iPhone 4. And we, we talked a little bit about that on the previous show, so we're just sort of recapping here. So we've got the new iPhone 4S, better processor, better camera, some weird new antenna thing that they've got, dual switching or something internal stuff to to help the camera and process video better and siri voice activation oh my god siri yes yes and ios 5 of course right yeah they had they uh, i'm sort of mentally picturing that grid of of 10 icons that showed uh that were basically like these are the improvements that we made and was it it was, it was either 10 or 8 or icons or something like that but like one of them was airplay it's like, well, that's not really like, that's not, that's not a feature. That's not like a super awesome feature. That's kind of like a, that's nice to have feature. I mean, they, they, they came up with the same thing for the iPad too. And we only found out about it in the, uh, the online video that they, that they eventually put up about the iPad too, because it just was not deemed important enough to mention in the presentation. So. And I'll be completely honest that this keynote was, it felt more light than usual. And I think a lot of that is because while there are some definite hardware improvements that are very fantastic this time around, like notably the camera especially, a lot of the wind may have been taken out of the sails because this is a this is a this is a massive software upgrade. And they also they already covered all of that at WWDC uh, back in June. Uh, the, the the improvements in iOS five in large part, are what's going to carry this release and make it as fantastic as I'm expecting it to be. Notably, the camera improvements. It's great that the camera quality is better, but also the software behind it. And of course, this was a this was a bullet point in the in the event last Tuesday. But the camera being as fast as it is and accessible as it is is the bigger story, in my opinion. It's great that the camera is upgraded for better video and all the better quality, better white balancing. But the accessibility of the camera is making this quite a bit better. I don't even think they talked about the volume shutter button, probably because it's not a terribly big. Uh, you can now use another button as the shutter, uh, but they didn't even recap that last Tuesday. You know, I actually I think that's a really good point. Say say for example, we're living in an alternate universe where they did not announce iOS five bizarro apple world <laughs> but where they did not announce ios 5 at wwdc and you know maybe even they they held back some of these features from the developer releases of 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 ios you know if they came out they're like look you know we've got geofencing reminders and we've got um what else is iOS 5? 
Um, notifications. Notifications. Yes, the notifications bar. Um, <laughs> Notification center, iCloud. Right. Exactly. If they can't, all, just yeah. all of that PC free bundle to wrap in. Yeah. If they if they just sort of you know blasted all of that at, at the event, you know, I think that would would have kind of masked the fact that the hardware is a a marginal increase. I mean, and that's not to say that uh, the hardware, you know, between, say, the iPhone 3GS and the iPhone 4 was not a marginal increase. Uh, although, I mean, they did increase, significantly increase the processing power and double the memory and, and, and a bunch of other stuff. But um, I think uh, the outward-facing appearance of the device is important to a lot of people. And How will people know I have the new one? Well, exactly, <laughs> yeah. But, it, I mean, more than that, it just sort of, like, colors the perception, the, the perception that people have of the device. Oh yeah, I I agree. If if it looks the same, most people don't really care if the processor is suddenly dual core. But if it looks cooler, oh, big obvious nice upgrade. Also, I mean, people are saying, "Well, this this is a significant upgrade." Well, Apple themselves is marketing this as not the iPhone 5, but the iPhone 4S, and I think that 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 just says that even Apple thinks that this is not a substantial thing worthy of of a whole new version number for the product and i think they're completely right in that yeah yeah i think that you know i heard some people sort of like in the in the tech industry that were saying you know look this is a really a significant upgrade and you know people that are perceiving this as a disappointment are wrong and i think that those people are wrong in that yes this is kind of a disappointment that's just my opinion hardware wise yeah absolutely if if this had been announced eight months, 10 months, 12 months after the iPhone 4, it would probably have been received a little bit better than this was been like 16 months, which is like one and a half times their normal release cycle. So it's, or, you know, normal for the four they've done three, I guess. But um, the, I guess the point, the point being that it's kind of a small upgrade for such a long wait. And if, you know, I was one of the people who was, waiting to get the the iphone 5 and oh it was gonna you know come out in august like it always does nope it was gonna come out in september with the ipods nope it was gonna come out in october oh what oh man i didn't have to wait this long that's i think that's a lot of the disappointment but yeah no that 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 is a a general feeling where people are feeling like i waited all this time for this you know people are that you know maybe normal people that were thinking right around I don't know, April, May, hmm, I guess I kind of want an iPhone or I want a new iPhone. But they're like, oh, but I really I really think that there's a new one coming out because that's kind of what Apple has trained them to expect. You know, new iPhone, uh, end of June approximately. Um, that's right, I think end of June. And then, they, you know, they're waiting and waiting and waiting and like there's no iPhone in the summer, no iPhone in September. And then October rolls around and Apple's like, yeah, I guess... I guess here's something that's moderately better than what we've got currently. And people are understandably disappointed about that. Of course, the funny thing about saying that, Nathan, is that aren't you going to... Wouldn't you love those photography improvements, photography and video improvements? Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely... And I I did pre-order the the 4S instead of getting the 4. But it is is still, you know, had I known in, in, I guess, June was when I was thinking maybe I should get an iPhone. Had I known in June that I would have to wait until mid-October to get something with only these improvements, I would probably just have gotten the 4 then and there because I think it would be more enjoyable to have several more months of playing with the phone than it would be to have a faster camera. 
and plus when the iphone 5 or 6 or whatever comes out then you will you will be able to upgrade sooner if you had bought the iphone 4 sooner yep so it's the other thing about this though is that let's turn it into context of the normal computer schedule they don't the normal desktop and laptop upgrade cycle they don't blow us away every year with these new improvements many years there's just a little specification bump the mobile space has progressed ridiculously highly in the last three, three and a half years, ever since the, the whole landscape of smartphones changed with the debut of the iPhone. So yes, there were these improvements they could keep bringing out again and again and again. Uh, and then they developed an entirely new product of the iPad, and they've done that twice now. And all rumors that I hear point to the iPad 3 announcement to being tantamount to the, the same thrill of the first two already. But that's not going to happen every year. And I'm glad that there's as much improvement in the software space as there is. I like the hardware. I like the shape. If given the opportunity again, why not? We've A lot of people are saying this over and over and over again. Well, I was disappointed that they didn't have this, but I have no problem with the way it is now. So what's the problem? Well, I mean, uh, perfect. to be perfectly honest, I, I love the form factor of the iPhone 4. And it's, it's a great phone. It really is. Um, but at the same time... A phone is more of a um, it's more of a personal item, you know. It's it's kind of akin to like um, I don't know, like a purse would be for for a woman. And sure, women can use the same purse for for five years or whatever. But a lot of them, you know, they they want to periodically, you know, get new styles. Um, they they want to periodically update them. It's only been a year, but it will be. Well, it's been it's been like fifteen months, and it will be at least another year that they're going to still continue selling um, the 4s as the flagship product, and it will probably be another year after that they will that they will continue selling the 4s probably as a lower end product. And how long did the first iPhone body type encompass? The very first one encompassed uh, one year. Well, actually, did they sell the low end? No, I don't think they did. Did they? No, they didn't because they they dropped the price from like ridiculously high to 199 and they, they subsidized it it was originally unsubsidized and then it was after the fact right but they they completely discontinued the, the first iphone but you're right i mean like the the, the f4 factor of the 3g is still present they're still selling the 3gs which is stupid because it looks stupid <laughs> <laughs> and but um but yeah it's just yeah i mentioned this earlier but anyone who buys the 3gs now you're just cheap sorry and some people are, and that's exactly why it still exists. Well, I was it was interesting um, in in preparing for this show. I was sort of thinking about the fact that they are still have the 3GS, and this seems to me like a Tim Cook move. Like this is this this seems to me like a chief executive officer that is looking at the pricing range of all his products and seeing that there's there's nothing here at the low end, the the zero dollar amount for the iPhone. And well, let's put something there. Well, what can we put there? We've got a 3GS that we're selling for $49. We're, we're probably making them for pennies on the dollar now. So we'll just keep it for, we'll make it free and we'll just keep it there. But I think that if Apple starts really keeping around their older hardware longer at lower prices, it kind of almost degrades the brand, at least in my opinion. And I don't think that that's something that Steve Jobs would have ever done. I think, it's, you know, Steve probably if he were still running um you know if 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 he were doing the presentation that that you know on this past tuesday i don't think that the 3gs uh would have would have stayed around 
But remember also that it's not like the 3GS went back on the market. Even after the, the debut of the 4, it was still around. Oh, yeah. No, I know. So this isn't this isn't anything new. The price drop is new. But then again, that happened to pretty much every mobile Apple product as of Tuesday. But, I mean, the 3GS came out over two years ago. And it will continue to stay for sale for another year. So, in theory, someone, you know, October of next year can go into AT&T, buy a phone that was debuted over three years ago uh, from Apple. And I think that that's, you know, for personal elect- electronics, w- with with a, a market that moves as rapidly as it does, that is too long. But there's two things about, there's two things that I immediately have to respond to it. One, some people are averse to the glass back. Some people have bad experiences or what have you, and they're just not as big a fan of it. You, I, I don't think you would disagree that uh, having an uncased iPhone 4 is a hazard and it doesn't grip nearly as well. And the second one is that you say that the market progressed that fast, is progressing that fast, and that's generally true. It's progressing faster than desktops that we've that we've gotten used to over the last two decades. But the the first comment that I made is that, or the, the first, I'm sorry, the first comment I wanted to make, and I haven't yet, is what would they have done drastically differently to change the form factor or any other kind of technology hardware-wise and called it the 5? It didn't happen, and it hasn't yet, and we don't know what it will be when they decide to do so. The point being is that the market is already slowing down a little bit, just in the sense that the rapid improvements we've 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 iterated so quickly that we're not we we don't have this next great huzzah feature. I think actually, if if we were to sort of look to Android, uh, there are some pretty crazy Android devices that are coming out, or that you know have either just come out or are in the pipeline. You know, ones with like almost five inch screens, and you know, uh, obviously LTE, WiMAX. I mentioned the screens. Apparently, some Android phones are coming up with uh, 1280 by 720 screens, basically 1080p screens. That's what my laptop is. That would be a 720p screen. Uh, yes, I meant 720p screen. I'm sorry. You're right. 720p screen. But yeah, um, it's a, it, obviously the screen is a little bigger um, than than your iPhone screen. And I know that there, again, there have been some people that are saying that bigger screens are not necessarily better. Um, but I think that, you know, if you show this really, really flashy, high resolution, big screen, very, very thin phone that's got all these features, you put that in a store next to the 3GS, which is, uh, again, over two years old now, with the 480 by 320 screen, it's just going to look, the, the, the iPhone is just going to look rather dated. But that's not going to be the featured one by virtue of the by virtue of its age, if nothing else. It's going to be if if things are going to be sectioned off, here's the world of Android, here's the world of Windows Phone, here's the world of Apple, the four is going to be front and center. The four S and that that body type is going to be front and center. They're not it, it's not the, the the first one to compare it against is not going to be the three GS and except for something like a Best Buy with a huge mobile stock, they may not even have it on the show floor. Because they they have the stock of the newer units, and they're obviously going to push those because it's going to make them more money. I just think that compared to the other phones you can get free, the Android phones and whatever, from from carriers, the iPhone 3GS does not make a very compelling case for itself. You can you can get some decent like HTC phones for free. Well, I mean I mean decent like 
three three inch screen, multi touch. Um, some of them even have physical keyboards too. You know, like Android Android uh, two and three late versions. So you know, it's it's not just crap that you can get for free. There are there are nice phones. The point may boil down to something along the lines of there's that much higher turnover in the Android world that models that came out within a year could feasibly reach that point if it didn't if it didn't sell well enough and they're doing their closeouts or anything of the sort but it's not the same comparison here i mean we're talking about we're talking about two body styles in the iphone series as opposed to i don't want to think how many body styles in the android world even microsoft has more body styles for the windows phone series and we're comparing this to two both of which, uh, when you when you get down to it and start using it, are highly functional, highly usable, and they have key differences. But that's what makes a series. That's what makes a series of products. If the 3GS had a Retina display, I could probably overlook everything else. But but the that's dis- the difference in cost. <laughs> probably. Well, no, actually, um, the the iPod Touch has a Retina display. And they are making those for quote unquote unsubsidized, whatever you know. Obviously, they're not they're not available on contract or anything. Two hundred bucks for an iPod Touch with a Retina display. Put that Retina display in a three GS called the three G S S, and then you know I think I'd be much more comfortable with with them continuing with that because then at least you know they would have all their products on the same platform. But the gotcha is how you look at the price paid to Apple as a part of the subsidy. Because we're talking about, to you, that day, walking out of the store, we are talking about a free product bypassing service, service charges. We are talking about a free product versus a $200 product, out of pocket. Right. Well, what's your point? <laughs> <laughs> my point My point is that the 3GS is there because it's an option, and it's still capable, and it's not... It's It, it may... Your point was that it diminishes the brand. Visually, maybe. And I people I, I do hold that some people do not like the pure glass idea and that they can't recommend the, the consumer reports can't recommend the body type of the iPhone 4 because of the antenna band externally. It's a choice and it's still a capable choice in terms of software, in terms of usage. I I don't see a problem with continuing to make the 3GS body style available. Yes, it has less features. It's $100 cheaper. Yes, it only has one camera. It's $100 and $200 cheaper. Well, all, all I'm saying is that this feels like a business decision rather than a decision designed to curate the image of the brand. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I mean, you know, they'll, they'll probably sell well. People will buy them and people will be happy with them. Basically, all I'm saying is that, you know, it, it just feels like something that a businessman decided to do. That's all. And I think it's interesting to, to wonder if, if this will happen in the future, like, you know, when they come out with the next versions of the iMac, are they going to have the existing ones available for $100 less? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. Or at least it, it, it would make sense for every manu- computer manufacturer except for Apple to do that. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe Tim Cook says, you know, we really don't have any sub-$1,000 iMacs. Hmm, let's, let's look into that market. That would also necessitate a drastic physical change of the iMac. True. Not yeah. to say it's not coming, but since they, since they ditched the, uh, either the white plastic or the, the desk lamp styles, uh, the iMac, with the exception of uh, moving the glass to the edges 
hasn't changed. Oh, Apple, you can totally bring back the uh, the desk lamp. <laughs> that was that was an awesome design, I have to say. It 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 was a it was an eye turner. It caught my attention the first time I saw one. I was surprised when I saw that one. The base was so much bigger than I thought it was based on the photos. I think I think the photos were taken in like a like a flattering light where you've got occasionally you see those photos of um shall we say uh overweight women that they kind of point the camera kind of pointing down at their face so you don't get their uh second chin. I think uh I think Apple probably took some similar photos of the iMac so that people have thought, oh, wow, look, it's the screen attached to this tiny little base. And you see it in person, you're like, that base is massive. But it was good. It was good. Um, I really... So uh, what, do we, what do we think in terms of the, like the, the, the timeline from now on? Do you, do you think that there will be, um, say, a new iPhone next year at this time? Um, next year in the summer? I think they're going to settle into a 15-month a release cycle because, like you guys were saying, the market is beginning to slow down. Well, 15 months from now is like right after Christmas. No, you know. Okay, maybe maybe 13 months from now. Well, see, I think I think the Christmas, you know, getting stuff out in, in time for Christmas is a very important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if if they miss Christmas, then it wouldn't make much sense to, for them to announce anything until at least February, February or March. It'd be interesting to see how many people actually get iPhones for Christmas because the contract is the... You know how how does that work? Do you do you give someone an iPhone and then cover their their contract for for you know as long as it lasts, or do you give someone an iPhone and with it give them this you know fifty dollar month contract that they have to pay? You know either way it's kind of a fifty dollars a month. That's the data itself to say nothing of everything else they require you to pay for. So I, I, how do you how do you give someone an iPhone unless you buy an unlocked one? Well, that's true. Um, although Apple has a rather ingenious solution to this, they have gift cards that are for an iPhone. So, you know, you open it up, it's like, you know, here's an iPhone, but it's a gift card and you take the gift card to the Apple store, or I think you can also redeem it online. And then from there, you get to choose whatever plan you want. I mean, it is obviously um, the the same deal. You're giving someone, sure, you know, you're, you're giving someone the phone, but you're also giving someone a, you know, whatever, whatever the cost per month is. So I, you know, if if I wasn't prepared for for the for paying for a plan, I would not be especially pleased to get something like that as a gift. Here's two hundred dollars. Go spend two thousand dollars of your own over the next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's true. Or two no, that's years, true. <laughs> so I, I mean, of course, iPods are a giant, you know, Christmas thing, and and um, especially you know, laptops, and I guess to a lesser extent, probably desktops. But it seems like iPhones. I don't I don't know any numbers. I don't know how many iPhones they sell for Christmas versus for other things, but it seems like they could almost do it at a time of year that isn't Christmas and not be devastated. The answer well, but Christmas Christmas garners that much more attention. The answer to your question is probably the simple fact that the person that buys the iPhone for somebody else is probably in a position to pay contract fees for them. You know, significant other parent or what have you. Mm-hmm. Grandparent true. for that matter, parent parent of your parents. And if they if they aren't, that's why the iPod Touch exists in a very similar uh, in a very similar way, yeah. a very, to a very similar feature set. Yeah, I think there are basically two big times of the year that Apple um, sells a lot of stuff, and that is Christmas and back to school. And mm-hmm. I mean, for years, they are the iPhone came out in the summer, and you know it was it was available and people could get it and then give it for back to school, and then. Uh, this year, it seemed like they they sort of slipped that a little bit, and now they're 
they're at least coming out in time for Christmas. But I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. Like I think I think fifteen months would is, would just be a little bizarre because it would fall on like a different month every year. <laughs> I'm thinking probably September of next year we will see a new iPhone because I think they really wanted to have this event in September and for some reason they could not. I mean, take your pick. They the antenna may not the antenna may have had quirks that they need to work out. Siri may not have been done yet. There's a the they may not have been able to pack the improvements into the camera cleanly without issues yet. I mean, supposedly that's why the uh, last generation iPod Touch didn't have a camera because there was the slot for it, but it was a some kind of a hardware or other incompatibility. There's any number of things that could have gone wrong, right? Or could have just been pushing it back to make more available units in the in the uh, production line. Possibly, possibly that I I kind I tend to doubt that. I, I actually think it's probably probably software and probably siri because siri is complicated software (laughs) the problem with that kind of software is that you can't test everything the 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 examples they gave for weather will i need a raincoat will i you know the there are a million variations on that kind of thing and you can you can have some kind of uh an ai to to interpret things based on based on its intelligence but to some degree you need to do a lot of manual tuning like if they say raincoat, then they're asking about weather. But, you know, there are a million areas where if if they are going to make claims that it can handle things like, will I need a raincoat? You, you could say, send a text. You could say, send an SMS. You could say, send a message. You could say, send something. You know, there, there are, for, for everything that it does, there are tons of tiny variations that, as I understand it, you have to kind of teach by hand. And that's the kind of thing where you're never done and you're never done testing. And that's the kind of thing that seems like it would really delay your release. And there will absolutely continue to be improvements in software updates going forward. You may not even need that if it's if it is so much uh, cloud-based. That one was kind of... I've heard that the dictation is very much network-based, but the built-in, the, the standard device commands, not so much. Do we know verifiably if every Siri command always requires network access? I don't think. I, I think there's a question on the site open about that. I don't. I don't I've know. kind of heard it both ways, um, so I don't really know. I've heard that maybe, like maybe the the actual trans conversion of the voice to the text for the Siri command requires internet access, but maybe the actual text parsing and then converting it into what it's supposed to do doesn't. I, I honestly, I don't know. Because obviously, we you know that we have voice command now, and it's it's quite a bit more crude. That goes without saying, but I use it to control media playback, and I use it to call people, and it doesn't mistakenly call my grandma, unlike other people. <laughs> the voice voice control, I just my uh, it's a Samsung something or other, a little flip phone from a long time ago. It's got a voice control thing, and it it's very restrictive it it gives you a menu of options that you can speak so you either have to memorize the menu or look at the phone anyway you know you can say like call and then say the number but it doesn't work the the only thing i ever use it for is friends and i say nasty words into it and see who it decides to call that's the only (laughs) the only the unfortunate thing is i have a very similar story with voice command oh really but yeah, naughty language means that I'm not going to tell it. Let's just say that I got frustrated with it misinterpreting a command. I did shout an expletive, and it did call somebody specific. <laughs> yep. 
was it was it a- but again voice voice command was terribly crude and it didn't it it always maps to something well my my skepticism with the uh with the series stuff is that we have not seen anything similar on on mac os 10 or or really on any desktop uh, i realize mobile is kind of like a different that's just because you haven't looked that one I know is not true, but unfortunately, I haven't used it either. If you go into system preferences and you hit universal access, there is the ability for you to bind command recognition either to the microphone on a keyword or a specific keystroke. Can I ask it? I've Probably used combination. It. Can I ask it if, if I need a raincoat? <laughs> no. I, I'm, I'm thinking not. Yeah. I've, I've used it, and it's, it's decent. The The only potential use that it would really have is it's it's got some built-in commands like you can say you you could say open chrome and or of course you have to say open google chrome because that's the full name and then it, it opens the app but to me that's less convenient than doing it almost any other way launching the app and it doesn't give you know ex- exactly because it doesn't have a lot of language processing or very deep integration the as far as you can go with it is taking your own little files or scripts and putting in them in this folder and then you say the name and it opens the the thing in the folder but i don't know it's there there is stuff like um from from nuance they've got dragon dictate or something or for for mac and it's 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 both dictation so so it'll transcribe what you say and um you can you can say things like open this app or or go to the next tab or quit word that kind of thing but i think since since the technology's been around so much the fact that a lot of it exists but no one really uses it and the companies don't really brag about it or really seem to be interested in improving it to me that just says that nobody really uses it it's very niche on desktops because one the the built-in speech functions in OS 10 are accessibility and that's the section of the that's the section of system preferences they're in is accessibility and making things easier for the motor impaired or what have you tom negrino on our show talked about using dragon dictate i believe he said a windows version but it's kind of a moot point there are there are applications for where this kind of thing is employed and that's also why dragon go and originally dragon speak and whatnot exist on ios well, I there's there's a difference between dictation and actually interacting with the computer. Yeah, I mean, I, I realize that that Siri has sort of both components, but I think people are more interested in the personal assistant component than they are necessarily in the dictation because that's kind of something that that we haven't really seen on the PC. And granted, the difference is that when you have a when you have a product, if Siri were to exist on the desktop. It would be good at what it does, but it's such a minor part of your computing experience that it's seen as small scale, where on something that doesn't have... I mean, Siri isn't going to interact with all of the other ap- applications. It's going to interact with your built-in ones, and it's going to do a little bit of uh, a little bit of special things specific to the phone. I, I, then again, I guess Weather is a first-party app, which I just said that. Ditto for the reminder, the location reminders and whatnot. The scope of ios is narrow such that something like siri can cover the vast majority of what you would do with it well we also sort of discussed this in the previous show where i i was saying that it appears that at least initially siri is limited to interacting with built-in apps but if that's 
the only thing that it's going to be interacting with, you know, henceforth, then it's it's interesting, but it could it has a lot more potential. And the example I gave was say, you know, check my bank account balance. Well, obviously there are no built-in apps to do that, but what if I have Mint? You know, Mint knows how to quote check a bank account balance, and so you could have apps register phrases and like check account balance. You know, check credit card balance, whatever. And then Siri would say, okay, well, I've got this phrase, which apps can handle it? And Mint says, oh, I can. So it passes the phrase to Mint, Mint then processes it, gives back the result, and then Siri returns that result to you. If they did that, that would be huge. Because you could say, you know, Shazam this song, you know, and then it would Shazam it. <laughs> that would be That would be so awesome. But I don't think it's going to do that, at least for a while. And that brings us back to the point that we said about every possible combination of how you would go about things. And am I going to tell Mint to Mint? Uh, uh, what's the status of my money market? What's the status of my checking account? What's the status of my what's the valuation of my home? And it's this this is so broad by what applications can do. The closest comparison we have is when you click on it, when, when you can tap on an attachment in an email that applications can register on content types. But speech is a completely different game. Well, I, I would have to say that, yes, it would be a lot of work for application developers, but I know there are some of them that would absolutely love to do that work to get that functionality. Like if they have to come up with, you know, a list of 2000 phrases of how to interact with their app and then, you know, functions to call for each of the individual phrases and, and parsing out the individual uh, terms and stuff. I think there are some application developers that would do that, that would spend, you know, that have the resources and the time and the inclination to spend six months, you know, re-architecting how they, uh, you know, how this interaction is done. I just think Apple needs to enable it. And I, I just hope that they do. And I hope that speech recognition is as good as it seems to be. It's one of those things where I really want to go to the Apple store and, and play with the iPhone 4S when, when it actually comes out, because... I've had some dicey speech recognition in the past and I know that supposedly this is done on the cloud and and I, you know, we're living in a really, really fast computer age, but it's one of those things where I just keep trying it like every five years and it's just uh, not quite there yet, at least in my opinion. Of course, if what we have to look forward to is the quality that uh, YouTube's automatic transcription does, I'm kind of scared. (laughs) Or, or Google Google voice. The Google voice (laughs) Their voicemail stuff is actually pretty good from what I've seen, from from the calls I get. You know, especially for short stuff, if it says, hey, give me a call when you're around, that's perfect. And I so it, and, and that's great because it makes sense. I don't even have to listen to the voicemail. I can just click call. So I think I think in Google Voice, they've gotten it to a fairly, fairly decent. All right. Here, here's a voicemail I just got. Um, I, I think this was a wrong number, but this is what Google Voice transcribed. I'm just trying to get on the Steven. I imagine this must be her husband. This is Sylvia. I'm with fundraising, coming, children, and so I happen to need the tax ID number, and I live, just found it. Okay, sorry. That is literally the text that Google Voice <laughs> translated. Well, you can you can decipher the story from it. <laughs> yeah, you actually kind of good. You actually kind of yeah. could. I was I was going yeah, over the I, paces while you were saying that. Yeah. But you're right. They, there there are definitely rough edges and rough middle parts yeah, and this is <laughs> google they have like all the servers in the world that can and they they collected so much data from like um what was it google google, google directory assistance or something that was just for just for collecting voice samples 
Exactly. And they still do it. They, I, I'm sure they still do it for QA purposes in the speech functions, not only of all of the Android devices as well, of course, but even the Google iOS app has a voice search function that calls out and to the Chrome. internet, puts the text in, and then searches it. Exactly, yeah. And I do, I, honestly, Apple does not have any of this. I mean, they, I believe they're partnering with um, Nuance, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, they have had you know a lot, a lot of time to perfect this technology. But at the same time, I I really do not believe that they have the act like the just the huge amounts of data that Google has about text to speech, or rather speech to text. And if if Google can't get this right or has as many errors as it has, I think that probably the only way to get it really to work well with something like Siri is to have a very limited set of voice commands so that, you know, it's not expecting anything in the world. It knows, okay, well, you're probably going to ask about the weather or about your email or about your calendar. And so it may it may not be possible to expand it to encompass all these other apps because when you sort of expand the potential pool of commands that you get a lot of commands that sound very similar and it may not be able to determine which is which. You know, just kind of as an aside in all this, something that's really interesting is that, like I said, I use voice command quite a bit, actually. When I'm driving, I try to be a good driver, so that means I hold the button, I tell it what I want to listen to, and it starts playing. And there's actually two very, very interesting things, very interesting examples that I can point to. I have some music that is named originally, tagged originally with Japanese characters. And if I know what that Japanese is, I can speak that into voice command and I can get it. And that's just voice command built in today. It doesn't, the, the funny thing is that the, the speech, the, the voice that we actually have here in America will not speak the Japanese parts back. The album that I have in mind interlaces some English words and then a lot of Japanese text. And it will speak the English words, but it'll just kind of go silent for the Japanese text. But it still understood it when I said it. Um, oh, the other I, one, I want to, I want to hear this. Can you na- give me any more of the songs? Oh, um, I'll get, I'll look at it while I'm making this other point. Okay. Um, there's a dead mouse album that's, that's named, uh, literally by characters four X four equals 12. And just kind of out of curiosity one day, I said four by four equals 12. Four times 12 is, uh, uh, wow, four times four is 12. Four by four equals 12. And I just did all of these variations and pretty much all of them worked. And then again, the, the return the return speech is always kind of silly in, in other examples as well. But voice command isn't shabby. And if you've never played with it, it's actually pretty helpful. I believe the album... I actually know this one. So let me see if I can get it. Play album Osu Tatake Oendan. Playing album. That's exactly what I expected to hear. And that's the first song on Osu Tatake Oendan. Wow. All right. Wow. That's... You, you and that's, that's voice command. I mean, yeah, I'm... It's a shame that I'm probably not going to have a 4S anytime soon because I am ridiculously interested to see what they're doing with the languages. Um, There was an article about how British English is a male voice. And if I remember correctly, the voice that you heard to some extent is what we're going to continue to get even on the 4S under Siri. But between this and the voices that, that you can download in Lion, the fact that I actually have a Japanese voice and I've used the say command to narrate with it, this is like, this is exciting for me for for the the geeky stuff like that that i do from what i've heard all that actually um 
text to no speech to text is done on like iTunes. And then it, I, I guess it's compiled or something, but it's, it's sort of integrated with the songs and it's synced over. That's why, you know, you can do that on the, the iPod shuffle where <laughs> the famous one with no buttons where you're supposed to speak. So the question then becomes, how can we get music in there that doesn't go through iTunes? And I think the answer is we can't. Because in, you would think that if you download anything from the iTunes store, that it'll bring that information with it directly to the phone. And then obviously the only way of getting this stuff on is to go through iTunes. The yeah. answer would probably be that we'd have to jailbreak it and drop it right on the file system and get it to be recognized in the library. Yeah, it's just it's such a tightly integrated platform where back when it was just MP3 files, people on Linux were you know able to sort of reverse engineer it. But now there's just so much information packed in there that... Sure, you may be able to ship over um, modified MP3s that the that the device recognizes, but you're going to miss out on on that sort of functionality. Funny story, I actually had an issue a couple of days ago where three songs on my computer were zero length all of a sudden. No idea why, but I used a program called Phone Disk to get at my library on my phone, which still had the songs intact, and I. Phone disk lets you gain access to as much of the file system as is allowed in normal. And then I just used a command line utility to search for the title in the in the audio file tags. And it took it was really slow actually, surprisingly, because if you've if you've never seen before, file names don't get preserved on the iPhone. Songs get shuffled into a folder that's uh f and then two characters and then all of the tide all of the files inside of those are just four characters at with no particular mapping that i've actually been able to come up with yet obviously there's something there because how would the phone know but it, it isn't something that i've quite put together yet but i pulled i pulled the file out i named it identically and when i dropped it back in i in the folder that itunes preserved it in it just played i had to put my artwork back in but all of the metadata was presumably stored in itunes somewhere and it just picked it up and was perfectly happy with it i have a question about the the japanese jason mm-hmm. can you say a command in japanese could you say call in japanese and then a a name and would it work i don't think I, I would imagine that if i had contact names in japanese that that aspect of it would work as far as the command name itself in japanese mm-hmm. i don't know command names in japanese <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> i'd have to look it up that's really that, that's interesting and i'll probably try it after this episode but off the top of my head i don't know once the 4S comes, I'll play around with how much I can blend Spanish and yes. English, too. Spanish what? isn't a supported feature in Siri yet. English, French, German. Ah, I have to learn French and German. <laughs> or maybe wait for them to put it in. I was, I was excited because a lot of the Spanish verbs are way shorter than the English ones, so I could actually be more efficient if it would let me blend English and Spanish and be fairly forgiving there. Because I could actually shorten the stuff I have to say by using the Spanish in some cases. <laughs> well, according, according to Google Translate, the ja- con- translating call to Japanese, it's uh, yobedeste, something like that. Yobedeste. Is that the verb or the noun? I, I don't know any Japanese, but I'm just repeating what, what Google Translate. Let's is. just give this a try, just for curiosity's <laughs> sake. Yobedeste, Kyle Cronin. Nope. No. <laughs> do you have me in your phone? Um, that's a good question. Because if I'm not in your phone, you're just Jason San. Very good. <laughs> one test worked. One test didn't. Oh well. 
we can't expect too much from voice control after all we're not this, we're not tim cook on stage it it's is not going perfectly three. for us yeah <laughs> three it's four well it came out in version three and i don't think that they did made any changes for version uh, four the, the voice command itself yeah yeah so i want to get to our app of the week our app of the week uh, we've decided is growl growl is actually basically a big feature in ios 5 is notifications while growl is basically notifications for your mac and so there are a bunch of apps, tons of apps now take advantage of being able to send these little text not- uh, notifications and they pop up. Uh, and images. And images, yeah. So they, they can pop up on your screen like uh, Sparrow integrates with this. So whenever I get an email message, um, a little little box pops up for a few seconds in the upper right-hand corner of my screen that basically says, you know, you got a new email and here's here's the subject line and here's a little bit of the text and I can click on that that little thing that pops up. And then it opens up Sparrow with the with a message, so it's very very cool. Um, so if you don't have Growl on your Mac, you're not really a, a power Mac user, in my opinion. <laughs> and you can there are lots of plugins that you can get. You can get I think it's called Hardware Growler, where if you plug in a USB device, it'll give you a notification. There's lots of lots of stuff you can do. And the apps the apps that I use that have Growl integration is um, let's see. I use Sparrow and I use um, Spotify a lot, which surprised me. But whenever you play a song in Spotify, it shows the it shows a little growl notification saying it, it doesn't say playing or anything. You just know because it's got the album artwork. But it says you know song name in big letters and artist in small letters, and that's really nice because I don't have to switch to Spotify to see what's playing. And if I do want to switch to Spotify, I can just click on the notification. Did you just say hardware growler? I yeah, think that's what the name is. Hardware yeah. Growler tells yeah. you whenever you put in, whenever you uh, insert or eject a USB or FireWire device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to Urban Dictionary and look up Growler. Not now, obviously, but after the show. <laughs> uh, that's why I was kind of biting my lip <laughs> as you were talking. Um, There's two different ways. There's two easy ways of getting at the same information that, like Nathan was saying with Spotify, there's two easy ways to do it with iTunes. The first of which being, if you use Last.fm, then Last.fm will support Growl right out of the box. But they also ship Growl Tunes, which does the same thing. Yeah, so Growl is very, uh, very versatile. And I'm, I'm actually surprised at the number of apps that actually, apps that you wouldn't even think of that, that would integrate with it. You know, oh, wow. Spotify, Spotify surprised me a lot because it's, it's mainly, I think, based on HTML. And it's, um, it's, it's a Windows app that they've ported. So I was pleasantly surprised i think skype has some growl as well mm, nope nope no, skype it, is their own <laughs> oh is it their it's, own it's, it's very good at faking you out uh, but the the fact that the the fact that the fade in is so dramatic and slow and it's larger than any of the default themes yeah skype rolls their own in there obnoxious darn well i think at, <laughs> i think at one point they had growl support i don't know maybe so yeah, it's it used to be free now it's no longer free it's actually 199 in the app store but i think that I mean, one ninety nine. It's not a whole lot of money, and it's very, very useful. So I encourage everyone to to check it out. And our question of the week this week. Well, I'll I'll let uh, I'll let Nathan tell us about it. It is a question that I asked actually because I've been using Spotify more and more. And the question is: Is there an app that creates a system wide audio equalizer? So one of the things I like about iTunes is that I can use. The, the equalizer presets to counteract my cheap hardware to some degree anyway and get slightly nicer audio 
And so I, I like using that. And I was, when I moved to Spotify, I was just trying it out and I figured I would work on it later if I decided I liked it. And then I started using Spotify more and more and I kind of forgot that I, it wasn't there. And I recently remembered <laughs> that, man, this song sounded better in iTunes. Actually, what happened was I was listening to something in iTunes and it sounded better. And like, wait a minute, what's going on? Oh, yeah, I should fix that. So I looked at apps that are specifically equalizers for Spotify, and they were all for Windows. And then I realized that it would actually be better, a better solution to get an app that gave a, a system-wide equalizer so that I could have it for YouTube videos, you know, if I'm, if I'm watching something there or if I'm watching something with DVD player or, or something like that, it would be, would be nice or, or Hulu desktop or whatever. And so I, I asked if there was a, an app to do that. And the, uh, the answer answered by user IOI, I'm not sure how you say his name, but the, the, the app he recommends is called Boom. And Boom is, they, their main point of sale is that it lets you squeeze more volume out of the computer, but that's not really an issue for me because I've got speakers and headphones. But the, the useful functionality to me that, that Boom has is a global equalizer. And you can, you can it, it comes with a few presets. They're, they're pretty basic. They've got like a music preset and a video preset. But I was able to tweak those on my own just to get it to sound good with my hardware and then turn off the, the volume increase so it's just the equalizer. And it's really a nice app. It lives in the menu bar and it's, it's very easy and it does exactly what it should. And it's a great solution if you don't use an app with its own equalizer. And it's got a, a free trial available, and I think it's nine dollars available on the Mac App Store. Nine bucks. Yeah, Break it's, the it's bank. A, yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> so wait, um, so it's in the it's in the Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. So how does it equalize the system audio? I mean, I would think that that would require hooking into the system, right? I think it's got it's it's been very transparent from what I've seen, but it's got like I think it. It adds devices to the system output or something. I, I've seen just looking through my my audio output. I've seen like boom device. So it it does some does some trickery there. But apparently Apple thought it was good enough to let it on the store. So um so you set your system output to be the boom input or uh... no? I don't I don't know. I haven't had to touch it at all. But. That's the only that's the only side effect that I've noticed of it. A new a new uh, device in my audio output, but it's never selected, so I don't know what it's doing. Huh? Yeah, I know what you're getting at, Kyle. You're getting at selecting Soundflower and then using Soundflower to route back to the default output. Right. Right. Yeah. But it, I yeah I, I don't know how that. Maybe maybe that extra device is only enabled if you turn on the volume boost. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's a mystery to me. But it it works. <laughs> So. Out of curiosity, after you installed this, did it force a reboot? Did it require a reboot before things could start working? Nope. Wow. I don't think App Store apps can do that, which is why I was surprised it was an App Store app. Well, okay. <laughs> Just a minute. Let me check and see if it really is on the App Store. If I'm, It was. I, I actually hit their website already, and they have the, oh, the yeah, buy from the Mac App Store. The wow. Wow. All right. I got the price right. Yes, $9. 9 bucks. Well, I guess if, 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 you, if that's what you need, that's what you need. There were a lot of other solutions that I remember. I remember trying to look for this answer. I didn't have a specific one off the top of my head. And a lot of them were things like um, Audio Hijack Pro to just hijack your system audio and send it back to your default output and then use whatever combination of effects you want to set the EQ or anything else that you would choose to to put in the chain. And that's uh, 
that's a, a little bit harder than this one solution, and uh, IOI's answer how, is uh, quite concise and helpful. How much does Audio Hijack Pro cost? I think it's $40. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> a, little, a little difference yeah. of scale here. Yeah, um, I, I sort of looked into getting it um, for for the podcast, and I'm like, 40 bucks. And then, and it doesn't even, uh, you can only record like, I think from like one app at a time. And so like, if I wanted to say record the audio from Skype or Chrome or whatever, if we're doing a hangout, then I wouldn't be able to get my own audio in there. And I, I need that to create a syncing track. So really the only thing that, that, uh, I found that would, that would do that is Ambrosia, Ambrosia, uh, wiretap. It's not the wiretap anywhere, which is like 130, but it's like $70, and you can combine like multiple inputs to record. I think to, that's uh, Wiretap Studio. Uh, maybe I don't know. Because um, there isn't there three. There's anywhere live in studio. I think. Hang on. <laughs> Wiretap Studio. That's the one. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, and, and I don't even think it would it would have done the the whole equalization thing. Um, and even if it did, it's very very expensive and very very complicated. So I'm glad there was actually an app that would that would do that in the Mac App Store, no less. That's kind of it's kind of awesome. All right, so I guess it's sort of time to talk about the other news of the week. The biggest news of the yeah. week. Yeah. Obviously, everyone listening to this podcast already knows what it is, but uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday evening, Apple announced that Steve Jobs died. There was a, a huge outpouring of emotion on, on Twitter, people everywhere we're, we're we're writing about him talking about him people were leaving flowers at app stores notes and stuff sticky notes just just this this huge outpouring of emotion um people trying to to honor him remember him and i i really don't feel qualified to eulogize him i'm just i'm, I'm gonna leave that to the people that uh I've actually done research and are better writers than I am. Um, but I will say that, you know, a lot of people have said that their first, th- th- their first interaction with Steve Jobs, you know, was when they, when they bought their first Apple product. And I actually remember following along with Apple, Apple keynotes and watching live blogs even before I bought my, my MacBook in 2007 I was actually I I, I was <laughs> sitting at my my desktop computer in uh, 2007 for the uh, the iPhone announcement, and I just came away from that. I I didn't even watch the video. I was just watching you know the 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 the, the live vlogs. I was only able to watch the uh, the video later on, but I just came away from that so so excited and. Um, I just, I think, I think that's a testament to Steve Jobs' ability to both create whole new industry-changing products, but also there's that little moment in the presentation where he's, he's like, so we now have three revolutionary products to announce today. The first, an iPod, a widescreen iPod with touch controls. The second... I think he just had a phone. And then the third, it's a breakthrough internet communications device. And then he goes, an iPod, a phone, an internet communicator, an iPod, a phone, an internet communicator. Are you getting it? These are not separate devices. And the crowd went wild. (laughs) 
I think that that's probably one of the defining moments of a Steve Steve presentation. And I'm I'm just sort of obviously I was not even in the room. I was not even on the same side of the the country, but you really did sort of feel 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 his energy and feel feel his uh, his enthusiasm for the products. And I'm really going to miss that. Back on the episode that we did with Tom Negrino, um, I was talking about how shocking it was to me that since Steve Jobs stepped down as CEO, uh, that there were all of these what I called corporate eulogies, and that was that everybody had started giving their stories. And I realized Wednesday that it's silly that I put it that way because it's not that he simply resigned. It's that he resigned for significant health reasons and it was pretty it was obvious to most people and for some reason not me that he's doing this because you know be it energy uh, obviously health just the the situation that merited it uh, has gotten that much worse and that's why people reacted in the way that they did even though his communication and whatnot with apple was still obviously present Um, when the news came out wednesday night i just kind of looked at the time span of things uh, and of course I'm going to miss all of the numbers because I don't have them in front of me but and this is that announcement that resignation was just above one month and uh, actually just inside a month and two weeks ago uh, if if that's not a testament to strength and resolve and motivation I don't know what is um, and it just that that short amount of time is is absolutely absolutely insane to think about. Uh, the other information that I thought about was the fact that Apple started officially in, I believe it was seventy. It was either seventy four or seventy eight or something along those lines. Like I said, I really should have these numbers in front of me, but he was at Apple for less than ten years of the company that he created before getting shoved out the door, masterminded by John Scully, and of course the board approving it. Uh, and then he went off and did his next and Pixar work and came back to Apple in 97. And he, he's been in the industry for less than 40 years, and he's been at the company that he started for barely over 30. Um, but what a run. And what else can you say? So the... The part that is incredible to me is not, not, not the keynotes because, you know, there, there are lots of people who are good showmen, but the part that's incredible to me was how widespread his influence was. So of course he's got plenty of influence within Apple because he, he's the one who makes decisions or one of the ones who makes decisions about design, about feel, about, about kind of how the company goes and, and the products they make. And looking around my room at the other gadgets I've got, there's a very clear influence from, if I compare my iMac to my Dell monitor, hmm, this Dell monitor is, has a black border around a screen and a very minimalistic stand and a little logo on the bottom. Well, so does my iMac. Very, very similar. And... Guess which design came out first? The iMac. And then looking at my Nook on my desk, it's it's like it's uh, 
got curved edges. It's a it's it's a, a thin touchscreen and nothing else. And Apple was one of the first to do that with the iPhone. And it's almost the same aspect ratio as an iPhone. It's just stretched out a little. And what else is there? If I look at my little Wacom um, pen tablet, it is very thin, and it's black, and it's glossy, and it's got just one white light on it. Well, so does my MacBook. Glossy, black, with a white uh, sleep light. And it it's it's hard to look at something and not see influence somewhere from an Apple product. And I think it's it's pretty impressive that his influence has penetrated so far into all of the gadgets that I have around me. So we think it's appropriate to close out the show with 10 seconds of silence. Thanks for listening.